Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what in the world works with social media. I'm excited about today's show. I'll be joined by Sally Hogshead, and we're going to explore how to market yourself based on what makes you unique. I also have an awesome discovery that I'd like to go ahead and introduce to you right now. After mediating a crocodile family dispute, look at what Michael Stelzner discovered. Have you ever seen those really cool pictures, professionally taken photographs of people maybe on an iPhone or on a Samsung or some other smartphone or even on a laptop and it's got a a website in there? Have you ever wondered how people take those pictures and whether or not they actually go out there and stage all that? Well, guess what? There's a really cool tool that I've recently discovered that allows you to do this by simply pasting in a URL. Yes, you've heard it right. All you have to do is literally pick your picture, paste in your URL, and a few seconds later, you get a beautiful photograph. Let me explain how it works. First of all, it's called placeit.net. And when you go to the website, there are literally hundreds of different shots that you can use. You've got smartphones, tablets, laptops, iPhones, iPads, MacBooks, Google Nexus, Kindles, They've got shots that are indoors, outdoors, gardens, tables, natural light, restaurants, sports, all these different categories. Basically, you find your category that you want. And let's just say, for example, it's a gal outside uh, in nature holding a Samsung phone. Then what you do is you go ahead and you can either upload an image or you can do what's called grab screenshot from URL. You click on that URL button. You literally paste in any URL, like, for example, your website. And it starts processing and thinking. And if your website is like our website and you have a unique look on a mobile phone that's different than a desktop, this thing is smart enough to know that. And literally up pops your website design built uh, into this photograph as if it was always there to begin with. It is really, really cool. And like I mentioned earlier, it's smart. So if, for example, it, there's a uh, desktop, it'll show the desktop version of your website. And if it's a mobile phone, it'll know to show the mobile version. And this is a completely free tool. Now, these shots, these visuals are extremely high-end professional shots. And the only downside for free is that there's a little tiny watermark that says place it and uh, .net. And that is essentially barely visible, but it is there. Now, if you want to, you can go ahead and purchase these images. I think they're like $8 or something like that, depending on the size of the image. But the point here is that you could create a really cool photograph to use, for example, on your blog for free, as long as you're cool with putting that little watermark on there. Or you could create something and put some words over the top of it. And all of a sudden you've got an interesting image that you might want to share on a social network. So I strongly recommend you check it out called placeit.net. Let me know what you think. With that, let's transition over to today's interview with Sally Hogshead. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. I'm very excited to be joined today by Sally Hogshead. 
If you don't know who Sally is, she's the author of Fascinate, and her latest book is called How the World Sees You. She was an award-winning copywriter at the young age of 23 and went on to work for brands that are really big brands like Nike, Target, and BMW. And she's one of the only women on the planet that was inducted into the Speaker Hall of Fame. She's also a very popular keynote speaker. In fact, she was one of our very first keynotes at our first social media marketing world. And she's simply a fascinating woman. Sally, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Thank you so much for having me on. So today we're going to explore how you, the listener, can be fascinating in your work and in your life. So Sally, let's talk a little bit about your journey. Um, How did you go from your first book, Fascinate, to this newest book, How the World Sees You? Mike, you know that process when you're writing a book, there's that excruciating phase after you've actually written the book when the book needs to be printed. It has to be turned into molecules. And for me, this is the hardest stage when you've written the content. So on my last book, Fascinate, As I was writing the book, and the book was about to be printed and put onto trucks to go to bookstores, I I didn't know exactly what to do with myself. And so I I began thinking, well, what if I I did a personality assessment that was based on the same system that I had just created for brands? So it's not how consumers see a brand. It's how people see you, how the world sees you. So I developed this kind of like as a pet project. It was just sort of a side thing. And uh, it was was part of the launch. We put it out in social media. The, The test was originally originally free. And this, this assessment, this personality assessment that measures what makes you fascinating to other people became a huge part of my business. And it, it, it took off way beyond what fascinate the book did. And I began to realize that what people really want to know is not how to make their brand fascinating. (laughs) What they really want to know is how do I make me fascinating? What, what makes me attractive to other people? What makes people see me as being valuable and persuasive and influential? How do I impress that person sitting on the other side of the table? And so I pivoted my entire company and began studying this and going really deeply into what makes somebody be, what makes one person perceived as valuable and somebody else perceived as a commodity. You know, it's funny because you have a background as a copywriter. I have a background as a copywriter. And uh, one of the most powerful words in copywriting is the word you. And we use it all the time in a lot of the headlines that we produce for Social Media Examiner, like how you can do this or how you can do that. Why is it? Why do you think we are so interested in ourselves, just out of curiosity? There are a lot of different ways that we can find out how we see the world, but there are very few ways that we can measure how the world sees us. So when I say to you, I can measure how the world sees you, it's counterintuitive. That's it, that, that it, it's, taking, it's taking a framework that you are already know, which is how you see the world, and flipping it around and looking at it through the lens of branding to say, how does the world see you? What kind of first impression are you really making? Why does somebody want to work with you instead of somebody else? And for a lot of people, that feels uncomfortable at first. Well, I don't want to know how the world sees me. I'd rather just stay blissfully ignorant. But when we begin to get into this, you say, well, how does the world see you at your best? What, what is it that people um, makes them want to champion for you and buy from you and hire you and promote you and love you? What, what are those qualities? What exactly are the adjectives that describe what you do when you're adding your most distinct value? And once people recognize that, then they can do more of it. So the key here is you don't have to change who you are. You have to become more of who you are. 
Yeah. And it's intriguing because I've taken the test and I know a lot of people that have taken the test and they find it extremely fascinating to use your word fascinate. How many, just, just, just a little more on the backstory, how many people have taken this test, you know, that ultimately led to this new book? 300,000 have taken it as of now in the summer of 2014. And we've been doing pilot programs within companies like AT&T and Unilever. And we've gone in and we've studied the high performers. And what we found is that behind our personalities, there are certain patterns that are hidden. But once you can see those patterns, it becomes really clear immediately why certain people like you and respect you and admire you and other people are turned off by you in the same way that, you know if you think of the people in your office there's some people who tick you off there's some people that you don't know why they just kind of get under your skin but it, once you see the patterns you begin to understand why that is and so in when you want to be more effective in your communication once you can understand how the world sees you at your best then you can do more of it and it starts to become really easy you don't have to keep reinventing the wheel you can identify what you're already doing right and then just focus on that. Now, uh, earlier before we started hitting recording, you you were telling me a little bit about how social media kind of played a part in the development of this entire uh, concept. Can you share a little bit more about that? Sure. The, the average attention span used to be 20 minutes long. And thanks to social uh, social media, our attention spans are now supposedly as short as nine seconds. I mean, if we look at Vine, it's as short as six seconds. So on social media, people are going to form an opinion of you instantly. The halo effect is only nine seconds long. So how do you communicate in a way that front loads your value in those first nine seconds so that you can make the most accurate and authentic first impression. And as we were developing the assessment, we put it out for free. We did a one-year free beta test with, with about 30,000 people. And what we saw was that people wanted to know what made them fascinating. And then they wanted to find out from other people, is this really me? Is this how you see me being fascinating? And it spread exponentially. And at that point, we pivoted the whole business model, turned it into a paid model in which um, now uh, people pay $37 per assessment, but you, Mike, you are going to be able to give away a whole gaggle of free assessments as part of this show, right? Absolutely. And we'll tell people how to do that a little bit later in the show. Before we get to that, um, talk to me about some of the research. I know that that there's been a lot of research out there. A lot of it's been done by you. Can you share some of the uh, research behind why understanding your strengths, or maybe even strengths isn't the right word, but why understanding you is important. Mm -hmm. Fascination is a state of intense focus. And when you're fascinated by something, you're totally focused on that thing, that person, that idea, that movie, that book, that product. And uh, part of the initial research that I did a few years ago, uh, market research, we, we measured how much more are people willing to pay for a product or service that fascinates them. And we found that people will pay 400% more if they're fascinated by a product, even if there isn't any appreciable difference in the utility. For example, if you give a woman two pairs of sunglasses that are exactly the same, but one of them has a Chanel logo, she'll pay 400% more for the pair that has the Chanel logo. In other words, just that logo, that perceived instant quality quadruples the perceived value, even though the utility is the same. As we began expanding that into looking at high performers within companies and entrepreneurs, we found the same is true of people. If you can front load your value and immediately communicate what makes you valuable, people perceive you to be more valuable, even if you're offering a lower quality product at a higher price. And so 
as soon as you can understand how to harness that feeling of fascination, in other words, to, to grip your listeners' attention. So they're not thinking about their iPhone. They're not thinking about their next meeting. They get into a state of flow with you and their resistance falls. Their barriers drop away. They become less cynical and less skeptical. And when we look at the brain in an MRI scan, in those moments of fascination, when you're in that state of flow with somebody talking with them, your brain looks like it's falling in love on an MRI scan. Hmm. Your brain opens up into a state of yes. And so if you're talking with somebody or you're posting on social media or you're delivering a speech, any other type of communication, if you can fascinate your listener, they're far more likely to want to buy from you, believe you, trust you, respect you. And so there are certain ways that your personality is primed to fascinate other people. And you, Mike, as we know, your, your result of the assessment is that you are the intrigue. You're going to fascinate people differently than me and differently than others we know. The point isn't that there's a one-size-fits-all. It's to understand you don't have to be good at everything, but you do have to be extraordinary at something. And when you understand how your personality is custom-built to fascinate people in your communication, then you can use that as your go-to signature every single time. Some of the people listening right now have are probably thinking, okay, I've taken Strength Finders or I've taken Myers-Briggs or I've taken both. Um, why do I need to take another test? What is the difference between this and the others? Uh, if you could share a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And it's a totally valid question because there are a lot of really good assessments out there. Why do we need another one? Here's the thing. Myers-Briggs, StrengthsFinder, DISC, Colby, all those assessments measure how you see the world. They're built on psychology. I'm not measuring how you see the world. I'm measuring how the world sees you. So it's taking it, rotating at 180 degrees and looking back from a different perspective. So the questions that are part of the assessment were built from branding. We understand that if, if Coke runs a commercial that, that sends out a certain type of signal, it's going to get a very specific and predictable response from consumers. In the same way, there are certain ways that you send communication signals that you're not even aware of. Once we can highlight that to identify what is the pattern behind your communication, then we can begin to identify how people perceive you, what they value from you, and what you could potentially be doing that's a disadvantage. In other words, what types of situations should you avoid at all costs because they're going to cast you in a negative light? Mm, very intriguing. So... Okay. The logical next question is, how can we be fascinating? <laughs> I mean, everybody, probably not everybody thinks that way, but I mean, that's, that's the gist of what I think we're trying to get to here. What do we need to do to be fascinating? I'll give you some quick tips. First of all, you have to understand that it, this is not about a, it's not about identifying and leaning on your strengths. We have had this culture of strengths for the last five or 10 years in which everybody wants to focus on their strengths. Problem is that in a crowded or competitive marketplace, when people are distracted, strengths become a commodity. And it, if you're focusing on your strengths, you're just trying to outdo your competition at their own game. Instead, focus on your differences. When you focus on your differences, you don't have to change who you are. You can become more of who you are. You begin to add value by just becoming more of yourself. So when I, I'm not measuring strengths the way StrengthsFinder does. I'm measuring differences the way a brand would want to be able to stand out in a distinctive way. When we go into companies and we look at what makes certain people more valuable than others, in other words, why do certain people earn more even though they're doing the exact same job as somebody else? Why do they get their calls returned? Why, do they, why are they promoted? Why do they have more followers? And what we found is that there are specific 
specific reasons why people are perceived as being more valuable. And it's directly linked to how fascinating they are. Fascinating being defined by the ability to create intense focus from your audience, from your listener. The, one, of the, one of the first things is people who are fascinating in, uh, are valuable because they're admired for a specific ability to contribute some type of a specific benefit. Like, for example, a highly prized skill, an elite network, uh, deep knowledge. If you have a specific signature ability, then it sets you apart and immediately you're differentiated. So you cease to become a commodity. People are willing to pay more for that because they have to seek you out. You become irreplaceable. On the other hand, if you're exchangeable with everybody else in your workplace or everybody else in your industry, then you're in a vulnerable position because you're not fascinating. You kind of have to do hand-to-hand combat. It's like it's like trying to sell um, to, to, to sell sand. You know, it, it, it becomes very difficult and expensive and very effortful to stand out in a crowded marketplace if you don't have something that becomes your specialty. So the point here is to find what is your natural personality specialty that you already have? What is it that you're already primed to do at your best so you can just do more of it? So when you take the assessment, it says, here's how the world sees you at your best. Here are the action steps that you can take to immediately understand how do you just do more of what you're already doing right? Sally, what I hear you saying is if you want to be fascinating, you need to know what makes you different than everyone else so that you're not just, you know, selling sand, so to speak, and everyone else is selling sand. So I'm going to turn the tables on you a little bit. Tell me what's your unique difference. What is it about? What is it about Sally Hogshead? My archetype is named the catalyst, and the catalyst is primary innovation and secondary passion. At um, Social Media Marketing World, when, when we measured the audience, we had about 3,000 people who did the assessment, and the catalyst was, was one of the more prevalent archetypes because people in social media tend to be creative. That's innovation. Um, they, they tend to like to be able to expand outside of the box, and they tend to be highly engaging. That's the, that's the passion advantage. Um, a catalyst is going to succeed through uh, three different adjectives. A catalyst is going to be most successful when they can be outgoing, social, and out of the box. So catalysts tend to love to be able to connect. We like to be able to create new ideas. We like to brainstorm, but we tend to not be very good at follow through. So I'm at an extreme disadvantage in a situation in which somebody wants me to create a spreadsheet with intricate lists. Mm. It's not that I can't do that. I'm just very, very unlikely to add value in that way. Um, so it's important for me to know in my, in my job and in my career and in my interactions that I can set myself up for success by looking for clients who want somebody who's going to be out of the box, energizing and social. And for me to avoid situations or to partner with somebody in situations in which I have to be meticulous, pragmatic, accurate, compulsive, that, that that's not where I'm going to succeed. Okay. But what, so, so I know, so you just showed some examples, like you're not great with spreadsheets and stuff, but so, so what is like, I still focusing on Sally here. So what's the, what's the couple, like you talked about the category that you're in, which is the catalyst, but let's now take it down to Sally. What have you leveraged to brand yourself from the results of your actual study? Like how does Sally pitch Sally, you know, to her strengths or whatever? I show you what makes you fascinating about yourself. I show you how the world sees you at your best. And so I built my entire career not around what I do, but around who I am. It, 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 to give you an example, Mike, instead of talking about me, can I, can I shift it over and talk about somebody in my office who would yeah, make sure. a, a good foil for me? Sure. 
Corey is our content manager in our office. Corey has a very different archetype than me. I'm the catalyst. She's the detective. The detective is alert plus mystique. The three adjectives that describe the detective are clear-cut, accurate, meticulous. So Corey's going to be most successful when she can make lists of lists. She wants to be as accurate and meticulous as possible. So that means I need Corey. I need her on my team. She needs me on her team. I'm going to help her come up with big ideas. She's going to help me stay focused. Corey's in our in as part of the process after you find out your archetype then you write your anthem and the anthem is the tagline for your personality it's a two or three word phrase that summarizes who you are at your best it's kind of like Nike has just do it um, and your anthem in the same way identifies what you do when you're being your most valuable Corey's anthem is meticulous follow-through so um, when, when, Corey's, when Corey has opportunities or challenges that involve meticulous follow-through, she's very likely to succeed and, and be perceived as valuable. I am not. My anthem is fascinating communication. I'm most likely to add value in situations in which you need fascinating communication. If you need fascinating communication, come to me. My husband, he is pioneering ideas. So for him... Um, he's, he's going to be setting himself up for success if he can make sure that every time he communicates, he's delivering pioneering ideas on his, on his Twitter feed, on his YouTube channel, that pioneering ideas defines what's going to differentiate him and allow him to rise above the clutter. Wasn't he the one that came up with the idea of doing a test? Yes. Yeah. He's the one who, who, who said to me, what if we, what if we took all this research, this, these years of research about brands and start transferring it over to people? That's an awesome example, Mike, of pioneering ideas. Now, can we talk about you for a minute? Uh, sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you, so you don't necessarily like to talking about yourself because you're, you are the intrigue and yeah, that means your archetype is discerning, perceptive, and considerate. You're very good at being able to read other people. That's your primary passion advantage. You connect easily. You understand other people. You understand their motives. You're really good at creating an emotional response. Your secondary advantage is mystique. And mystique and passion in some ways are are polar opposites. They're kind of like fire and ice. Mm -hmm. Mystique is about listening and observing. Mystique takes a step back and watches. It doesn't necessarily want to jump right into the heart of the action. So Mike, if we, it, I know you fairly well. I mean, we've had the opportunity to connect a few times. And one of the things I noticed that in certain situations, you're extremely engaged. You're a very powerful leader. You, um, you're really good at rallying the crowd um, getting people involved in a cause. But then there are other times where you simply want to just stand back and turn off for a little bit and think things through very carefully. There's an, there's an intellectual side of you, just as there's a passionate side of you. So if you think about this like a dial, on the left, you have passion. On the right, you have mystique. When you're in passion mode, Mike, this is when you're going to be most gregarious, most social, most most involved with others face-to-face on the other hand, then you flip the switch over to mystique, and that's when you're thinking things through and planning it out intellectually, rationally, coming up with answers that aren't necessarily based on your gut, but based on your head. Yeah, and it's, you know, I'll tell you after having seen that result, it kind of explained to myself a little bit about the, the mystery of how I operate, because a lot of times I go through ebbs and flows, right, where I have to be doing creative things. And then other times where I have to step back and I have to uh, assess, you know, and then decide whether or not what I did was right and whether I should continue to do it. So it's really interesting um, to see that part of me. And, uh, you know, I guess one of the questions that comes to my mind, Sally, is this a snapshot in time? 
or is this kind of one of these things that, you know, if I retook the test, would I have the same, you know, kind of outcome? I'm just curious. What, what mm-hmm. have you found with that? Well, it's based on branding, remember, instead of psychology. So this isn't measuring how you see the world. It can change right. based on how the world sees you. The point isn't to put you in a box. The point is to say, is to give you, to light the way towards how you're going to be able to be most authentic and, and confident in your communication. One thing that's clear, if you, you are not going to be your most successful, Mike, in a situation in which you have to be, um, you have to be in constant cheerleader mode. You don't want to necessarily have to hold people's hands. You don't really, you don't really want to deal with people who are going to be extremely needy. Right. You know, you don't want the raw nerve ending working right next to you. On the other hand, you also don't want somebody who's not going to be involved in the human element of it. It's important for us to know what are the qualities that we have that are. Um, are so easy for us that it feels like a wellspring, that there's certain ways in which you communicate that get you into a flow. You know, they get you into a zone. You know, when you're, you're doing a meeting and the words just seem to come, the answers are easy. It feels effortless. Time goes by. This is when we're using our primary advantages. And in those moments, we are our, our, most, our most persuasive are most convincing. And it's important for us to know the situations when we're going to be unlikely to be fascinating. Very interesting. Uh, in the book, you you have a concept you call your highest distinctive value. And I think I might've even heard you say it once or twice during the interview. Can you describe what that means and why you feel it's important? Mm-hmm. Think of, think of, you, think of a pyramid and at the top of the pyramid is your highest distinct value. This is when you are being your most, your most distinctive, your, your most irreplaceable. You can charge the most money. You don't have to advertise because clients just come to you. They fly from around the world to work with you because you're the only one who does what you do. You're very, very distinct and you're very, very valuable. On the other hand, at the bottom of the pyramid is, ugh, that's where you're the same as everybody else. You're vulnerable. You're replaceable. You can't charge a lot of money. You do the same thing as the guy down the street. You're doing hand-to-hand combat. You have to keep spending more money on marketing just to kind of get the same result. In, when you're at the bottom of the pyramid, it's a bad place to be because you are very unlikely to be able to rise in your career. On the other hand, at the top of the pyramid, this is your highest distinct value. So if you, if you think that your, your personality has, has two different sides, there's the most valuable you and there's the least valuable you, I'm going to be my most valuable when I'm focusing on my anthem, which is fascinating communication. When I'm delivering fascinating communication, I can do that in a way that feels effortless for me and energizing. I'm confident. I'm authentic. I love it. And I can charge more money for it. On the other hand, my lowest distinct value might be doing spreadsheets. I'm not going to be able to charge a lot of money for that. I'm not going to love it. I'm not going to be able to contribute. I'm not going to be able to support my team. I'm probably going to become discouraged and <laughs> eventually unemployed. Your personality has the same, uh, the same dichotomy. There, there's, there are certain traits that define what makes you most valuable. And when you can identify those traits, then you can orient your entire career around it so that every time you communicate, you're perceived as being intensely valuable instead of being perceived as just taking up space. So what I hear you saying, Sally, is that once you understand what your uh, gosh, I don't know what's the right word to describe these categories that you've come up with. Your, your advantages. Once you understand your advantages. Once you understand your, your unique advantages, um, you can use those advantages to better market yourself, right? Because you'll know that this is something you can deliver on with confidence. And 
what I hear you saying is by understanding those unique advantages and putting some 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 words together or if you will your personal slogan maybe right your <laughs> like, anthem right yeah your anthem so so if you are the brand then you should have what you're referring to as an anthem and what I'll call a slogan which is just a very simple couple words that allow you to essentially do an elevator pitch or describe you know the reason why someone ought to be working with you is that is that what am i hearing you correctly yeah and i'll take it to an even more to 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 an even more awkward level, you know that feeling when you have to write your LinkedIn bio, or you've got to write, <laughs> you've got to write your Twitter bio, and you have to yeah. find the perfect words to summarize. Everybody feels awkward. I was a copywriter, and I feel awkward doing that. You know, it's like you type, delete, type, delete, and uh, people just go around in circles. And a lot of times, they just won't even they, they won't change their LinkedIn profile not because it's not because it's out, not outdated, but because they just don't know what to say. And so when you take the assessment, it literally gives you the words. Here are the five adjectives you should use. Here are the nouns you could potentially use. And when you write your anthem, it just becomes a, a very easy snapshot that you can, you can go to every time. And what we found when we were doing our pilot programs, uh, for example, with AT&T, when we helped people discover their anthem, and, and write this two or three word phrase, they were 200% more confident in understanding their own natural advantages. So they didn't have to try to be all things to all people. They could look around the team, look around the room, see everybody at the table had a different anthem, and they could understand how each person on their team contributed in a different way that might be um, analytical practicality or dynamic motivation or clever problem solving, mm. whatever the whatever their own was and other people's, it made the team much more functional. When we did this with Unilever, they were 34% more confident about how to introduce themselves in those first nine seconds of an interaction. So in social media, nowhere is it more important than to understand, look, if boring is the kiss of death. If you're perceived as being the same as everybody else, then people just go on to the next thing. On the other hand, if you can find a way to front load your value to capture that and illustrate it in a way that captivates your listener and have them say, oh, that's exactly what I want, then it allows you to immediately stand out, not by changing who you are and doing it in an artificial markety sort of way, but by simply becoming more of who you are. This is a good transition to my next question, and maybe a little bit it was answered in the last question, but um, in my case, you know, I'm the CEO of Social Media Examiner. I've got employees and I've got contractors that work for me. In some of the cases of people listening right now, they might be, um, you know, obviously in some sort of marketing capacity. Maybe they're a social media manager and maybe they're representing a brand. Maybe they're, uh, they've got a team of people reporting to them or maybe they're just a solo entrepreneur. Um, but what can I do? How can this test help me somehow be better at what I do with, for example, the people that I work with? Is it me sharing with them? This is what I am. Uh, or, or is it me understanding what they are? I'm just curious, like help me put mm -hmm. a little beef on the, on, on the bones on this one. Great. Yeah. There, there are two sides of it. One is that, uh, CEOs, business leaders tend to hire to replicate themselves rather than optimize themselves. So we, we tend to hire people we like. And, and what, so what we end up doing is we have these lopsided companies or teams in which people are really good at certain things and nobody's good at something else. So the first part is to make sure that you understand what you're already good at and to be able to proactively identify what are the traits that I need to bring into the team or to bring onto my side to make sure we're going to get the best result. But the real magic happens when everybody on a team when they each understand each other's anthems, we're in the process of doing a year-long training program with Hyatt. 
And we trained 18 of their trainers to then go and train all of their peers within Hyatt. And within Hyatt, you know, that's a that's a tough category. That the, the, the hotel category, the hospitality is so difficult because it's so commoditized and the customer doesn't see any difference at all. And so people being able to differentiate the brand is crucially important. Uh, we, when when we helped each person identify their anthem, it reduced conflict and it made it much easier for them to be able to understand how they could tap into what they already had on their team instead of going outside of their team to try to bring it in. Imagine that you're working with somebody and uh, you don't you, you you simply don't click with them. You don't understand uh, what value they add, why why you need to work with that person versus somebody else. But then imagine suddenly you're able to realize that what they deliver is exactly what you don't deliver. In other words, mm. teams become better not through similarities but through diversity. You don't want to have people on your team that are the same as you. You want to have people who complement you. And so in the book, How the World Sees You, I deconstruct how high-performing teams uh, create their recipe. What kind, of, what kind of personality does a creative person need? What kind of personality does a, a highly detail-oriented person need in order for the, for the team to move forward and, and, and get better performance? Very interesting. Uh, funny enough, I had um, my event director, Phil Mershon, take the test and he also came back as an intrigue so what do you get when you get two of the same people that are on your executive team together what's some of your <laughs> thoughts on that yeah that's that's un, that is unusual um here's what that means both i had and i've had the opportunity to meet both you and phil but what both you and phil have is your combo platter we were talking a moment ago about how you both have passion and mystique passion is the language of relationship mystique is the language of listening you're both really good at relationship and really good at listening but you want to make sure that you're that you are not both doing it at the same time in other words you can't both be in relationship mode or listening mode you have to make sure that you're balancing it out in order for the team to be most effective. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> and, and we we do find ourselves talking almost every single day. And um, I think it's because uh, we can switch back and forth between these things. But very, very interesting. Well, Sally, I know we just scratched the surface of, um, of your awesome book, How the World Sees You and the test that's behind it. Uh, what I'd love to do is tell people where they can find out more about you, your new book, and also share with us about how our listeners could get a chance to take the test. Wonderful. Well, you have a free code, Mike, that you're going to be able to share with your listeners. And here's what the magic code is. Go to howtofascinate.com slash you, howtofascinate.com slash you, and it'll ask you for the private code. And the private code is... S-M-E, like social media examiner. Is it, S-M-E. is it case sensitive or does it matter? It is not case sensitive. Okay, cool. And they could do the assessment there for free for a limited amount of time. We were leaving it open for, for a certain number. So if you're listening to this podcast in 2018, it, it may not still be free. <laughs> and. Um, and after you do the assessment, it'll tell you how the world sees you. And so then you can you can pick up your copy of the book, How the World Sees You, and begin to apply that in a more tangible way. And you can do that by going to the website, howtheworldseesyou.com. Well, Sally Hogshead, I think that uh, it's very intriguing what you've done. And I am very excited to see where this book goes. And I encourage everybody, for sure, go check out the test. And Sally, I wish you all the best in, in the future. 
Oh, wonderful. I'm so thrilled to be able to be on the show with you. Thank you. Thank you for being such a great voice within the social media community. You, you really carved out this, this whole space of, of thought leadership and showing us what to do in a world that's constantly changing. So I love reading your content. I'm thrilled to be a friend of yours. Thank you, Sally. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview. If there's anything that we mentioned in today's show that you missed, for example, the link to the place you can take the test or uh, the place it thing that we talked about for the screenshots all that information can be found in our show notes that we take extensively for you at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 99 also if you've been a regular listener to the podcast and you haven't already done so would you consider giving us a rating and or a review on itunes super easy just go over to socialmediaexaminer.com slash itunes and while you're there if you haven't already done so please subscribe This does bring us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Be sure to check out Michael's other podcast, Parenting Adventures. Dad, I'm bored. Heard this before? If so, you're not alone. Grab a torch and join us for Parenting Adventures as we bring fun back to the family. Visit ParentingAdventures.com.